Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guests today are Dr. Barbara Warren and Jean Einfrank from Building Resilient Neighborhoods, which is a working group of Physicians for Social Responsibility. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Amanda. Tell us about your working group and what you're trying to do, how you got started. Well, in uh, 2013, PSR held a community-wide conference at the Convention Center where we had about 450 people from the community attend between the Saturday all-day workshop conference and a Friday night speaker. The speaker was Dr. Eric Kleinenberg from NYU, and he's a sociology professor who's done a lot of work in studying disasters around the country, uh, specifically those disasters related to climate, extreme climate events. He wrote a book called Heat Wave, A Social Autopsy of a Climate Disaster, about the Chicago heat wave in 1995, I believe, and uh, there were over 700 people who died because of the heat wave, and uh, learned predominantly from that and studies of other disasters that the uh, main factor that's missing where more people die in communities in, in these disasters is the lack of social cohesiveness. And uh, that's something that fed into the work we did later on. That uh, conference had six working groups. And they're interesting because uh, they do address subjects that are being addressed by other organizations around the community. One of them was mental and spiritual health. And uh, that's a really critical factor in dealing with disasters, that we need to be prepared to deal with those. Health systems preparedness is another issue that we all need to continue working on and refining. There are certainly folks in, in the community, among the first responders, who are working on that. Education of kids, kids in the schools is really important. Um, and we've done some scholarships with teachers and asked them to uh, help their kids do a project related to climate change. Food security is an issue being worked on very intensively by the food bank and others in the community and cross-cultural, cross-border issues are key because we all live in the same region and uh, have, are going to experience the same kinds of challenges in our climate. And finally, vulnerable communities was the last group. And out of that group, we had 50 people for each of these workshops, by the way, but out of that group came what this current project we're going to talk about, which is called Building Resilient Neighborhoods. The idea behind the project, Building Resilient Neighborhoods, is to connect with the community in uh, usually neighborhood associations, but there can also be other small groups. It could be um, a senior housing project or other kinds of uh, situations where people are uh, grouped together. What we do is uh, we've developed, we're uh, refining a workshop that we facilitate in these neighborhoods. And the idea of the workshop is to first build awareness about climate change and the effects of climate change. And the idea is to work with the, with the group to figure out a way to be resilient in the face of, in our case, an extreme weather challenge, which would be um, electrical outage. And, uh, and we're, we're talking about a scenario where people might be without electricity for up to three days or longer. And that presents a real challenge for communities because we're talking about that scenario where there are very, very high temperatures. 
you have people of different, uh, you know, capabilities, disabilities, different ages, health issues, who may not uh, have the connections, the neighborhood connections, in order to be able to find help. And so, through the workshop, we we work with the participants and very interactively the 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 people who have come to the workshop very interactively to figure out ways to be more cohesive and we find that cohesiveness as barbara has said is very critical for surviving these kinds of emergencies if you live in a neighborhood where people don't talk to each other where they you know mainly keep to themselves and that they don't interact as a community, then that really presents a danger in, a, in an extreme weather event. So the idea is to look for ways to strengthen cohesiveness and where people do get to know each other, say hi to each other when they pass each other on the street, and that becomes sort of the building blocks of being more prepared. And I'd like to just add that some of the other things we talk about in the workshop, as a physician, I, I'm very concerned that people don't understand and as a community, we know this too, that some people, a lot of people don't understand the risk of extreme heat. So we talk a lot about extreme heat, heat-related il- heat illness, how to recognize the signs and symptoms of heat, heat exhaustion and heat stroke, uh, as well as knowing how to prevent these things from happening, but what to do in a situation like uh, when heat stress is happening. And then we go on to talk about what kind of resources do you need to have in your home and in your community to share to deal with the disaster situation. Again, the, the disaster being it's really, really hot and the grid goes down. Not Maybe not just two or three days, but maybe two or three weeks. If our grid goes down, our utilities tell us it will be two or three weeks to get it back up again because it's a regional grid all over the southwest. So we want people to be educated, prepared, and and this will not only help them in times of disaster, but in times of minor situations like my own power went out the other night and I had to go look for my uh, battery-operated equipment, fan, lights, and that kind of thing, and, and sit down and say, okay, now what, I, now what can I do and what else should I have had? There were a lot of bad situations in my neighborhood when that storm came up the other day. I would say that in the, this summer in particular has really highlighted what happens. For example, some of our visitors who, to Tucson who don't have the social cohesiveness with people in Tucson perished while hiking by not knowing about some of the things that you mentioned with heat-related issues. And also during the monsoon time, we do have rolling outages from neighborhood to neighborhood, which really highlights just gives us a brief taste, maybe a few hours, but really highlights what is a kind of foreshadowing. And then there's a population in our community that we don't think enough and do enough about. We, we try. But that is the homeless population, people with mental disabilities also, people with substance abuse issues. All are much more vulnerable to extreme heat on a day-to-day basis. So our workshops are dealing with disasters, but I think that we also need to be prepared to deal every day during these extreme heat days and events to help everybody in our community with more education about heat-related illness, how to prevent it, and how to get the word out, even putting signs on the hiking trails. You may be a great athlete from Germany climbing mountains, but it's different here. 
You're listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guests today are Dr. Barbara Warren and Jean Einfrank. They're from Building Resilient Neighborhoods, which is a working group of physicians for social responsibility. How many of these workshops have you presented so far? We've uh, presented a good many as focus groups to community leaders, uh, people from city and county, uh, people who are neighborhood association leaders, so probably half a dozen of those in the beginning. Uh, and we've probably offered a, about a dozen workshops to, in neighborhoods now with actual commitment to carrying on uh, with the work of the, of the workshop and the, the project. Sometimes it, then it wasn't exactly a neighborhood, but a, an organization that takes care of vulnerable people like Lend a Hand, uh, which we did a workshop for on a couple of occasions, probably a dozen and a half or more. And we're doing more right now under the aegis of a subgrant from the Centers for Disease Control, uh, reaching out to three high-risk communities to um, look at what are the variables, what are the different things we need to be aware of for different kinds of populations and trying to reach out to high-risk groups and educate them about or get them involved in educating each other about uh, how to deal with uh, extreme weather events. I'd like to just speak from my own personal experience in delivering a workshop and uh, facilitating a workshop. The first one that I did uh, was with my own neighborhood association, the Menlo Park Neighborhood Association. And it was really interesting to reach out to members of Menlo Park, uh, property owners, to get them to come to the workshop. It's not easy to have a group of people come together on a, perhaps a Saturday for three hours to work together to build their resilience. But we did have a very, very successful workshop. We had about 18 people come. And uh, I have to say that uh, initially, there was sort of a little bit of skepticism and a little bit, you know, people were reserved. But by the end of the workshop, people were talking, they were planning together, they were thinking about ways that they could build their resilience. And so we came up with some different ideas. And the things that we're doing now, uh, we have a community garden, which really brings people together and gets people to get people to know each other and rely on each other. We've had uh, neighborhood potlucks. We had a community tour of the neighborhood, which really took a lot of work to where we had to go door to door asking people if they would like their homes to be on the tour. So maybe they didn't want their homes on the tour, but uh, ultimately we got to know them. That's really the fun part because then you could take it to the next level. You could invite them to get together to talk about the more serious issues of, you know, how would we contact each other in the event of an extreme weather challenge. You would talk about, well, what, what are the neighborhood's assets? Uh, who has a cistern? Who has a swimming pool that could provide water that uh, could help cool people down? Where, where's the shade? Where are the shelters? Who are the people who are less able that we would need to contact in that event? So those kinds of things. I think some of the other challenges that, in addition to what Jean was saying, is that we are all going to face in, in our community in any kind of massive power outage. And, and if we think about our dependence on electricity, it is huge. First of all, one of the critical thing is we need to be able to communicate. 
and our cell phones will work for a little while, but then the batteries will go down and we won't be able to recharge them unless we have solar-powered battery chargers. We can't cook. We can't uh, turn on the TV and find out the news. We can't go to the bank, get money out. We can't pump gas. We can't go to the grocery stores and use our credit card. Grocery stores will soon be shut down because they can't refrigerate their food and maybe it'll be all sold out. We can't draw down water after a while because it requires electricity to pump water. We ask people to think about all of these things and how they might mitigate all those challenges. Again, when we had our little outage the other day, it helped us to really focus, okay, where's our stuff, you know? <laughs> how do we get at it quickly and what's missing here and uh, how long is this gonna go on and I'm getting hungry <laughs> you know, and so on. It's, it's a real challenge and we all need to think about this kind of preparation. It, it's hard to just focus on uh, a disaster like this, but I think this is really important and helping us prepare with all kinds of challenges when we have resources that are limited or interrupted, like electricity and other communication systems and so forth. Gina and Frank, you just described being a trainer for building resilient neighborhoods. How did you become a trainer? How can other people become a trainer? Well, um, I am a facilitator, and what we do is we reach out to the community. Usually, when, I, for example, uh, when I deliver a workshop, we ask people who have participated to see if any of them would like to become a facilitator so that we can start to spread out, so that we can increase the core group of facilitators. And so the way that works is once somebody has attended a workshop, then they can take the facilitator training because they've experienced the workshop. That's what we're really working on right now to uh, increase the number of facilitators. It's actually not very difficult to become a facilitator. Once you've taken the workshop, it's pretty straightforward. And we help people. We work with them so that they feel comfortable in front of groups. You know, their materials that they work with. So that's what we're doing. If uh, people are interested in either coming to a workshop or becoming a facilitator, they need to contact us in order to express their interest in doing that. But also, I think people need to understand that if they want to organize a workshop in their neighborhood or to facilitate a workshop in their neighborhood after they're trained, they need to get a critical mass of people together because we really need a community with a fair number of representatives to actually move things forward. If you have one or two, three, six people, it's not quite enough. We need to get a core group of people who are really gonna take action and bring a lot of different ideas. Uh, so we usually say 15 or 20 at, at ideally people, uh, 10 or 15 at least. Once people have engaged enough people in their neighborhood, and again, it's people who would work together in the future to help to commit to helping each other in the event of a disaster and also in planning things and doing things together before that. So as Gene described, there's a lot of wonderful things coming out of his workshop that build community and then allow people to know each other, know who's vulnerable in the neighborhood and who needs help, who's that person who never comes out of their house down the street, and to develop a plan for how you're going to help people if you have a disaster or some kind of extreme event, weather event. Where are the resources? What are the resources? Who has them? How do we roll them out? How do we share them? So on and so forth. And sharing is really important. For example, if we can't cook, what can we do if we have no way of preparing our food? Well, a lot of people have solar ovens in this community. 
not a lot, but a fair number of people. It doesn't take every household to have to have the solar on. You can cook together in the community. So there's other kinds of things that are maybe more cost prohibitive for individuals sometimes. But, um, you know, people talk about a generator. How about a generator, an emergency generator for uh, producing electricity? Those are expensive, and there are a lot of challenges in having a generator because it may require fuel, and fuel may not be available, and you can't have them inside a building because it's dangerous. So there are a lot of things to think through like that to be able to work on collectively. But again, if people begin to think about these issues and want to plan and have some help in getting the whole thing going, that's what our role is, to help people begin to think about this, provide the facilitators, and to provide the materials. And it's all free. It's something that we feel is very important that be done in the community. If you're a neighborhood leader, then... I'm speaking to you right now because you are the one who knows your neighborhood and you're the one who can pull people together. It doesn't happen by accident. So I would urge neighborhood leaders, people who know people, um, to think about this and, and think about if this would be something that you would like to do for your community. It only takes contact with us to just find out more and see how we could work together to help facilitate bringing your community members to a workshop. And speaking with you, Barbara Warren and Jean Ein Frank, and hearing what you have to say, some of it just seems like common sense. But putting it into practice and working on it and getting us out of our own, away from our own individual homes and, and working together. And it, it seems very hopeful, too. I agree that this does seem very common sense. The sense of neighborhood cohesion seems like a very common sense idea. When I was growing up in a small town in Northern California, when my mother got sick, the neighbors all showed up with casseroles and food, <laughs> and they were there to help. Or if something happened and the kids needed care, they were there. We all knew each other. I think we've lost that sense of community, unfortunately, in our cities. And we're all well-meaning that way, but lots of people we talk to and, and very healthy neighborhoods, if you will, maybe affluent and so forth, all agree that they don't know all their neighbors and they aren't real connected with their neighbors. And uh, another example, a different situation, I was traveling and touring the clinics in the southeastern part of the state with a rancher. He actually worked at a healthcare facility, so he wanted to show me all the clinics down there. And as we were driving around, I was describing our project and he said, oh, we're ranchers, we all know how to be resilient. We have water tanks. We have our own electricity supply. We're fine. And then we were talking with one of the nurses in one of the clinics, and she said, well, we live in a little community. We don't have all those resources, but we all know each other. And the rancher turned around and said, I don't know any of my neighbors, and we don't interact at all. So there are a lot of pieces to this that we need to put together as a whole, I think, to make the resiliency work and to retrieve some of the things that we learned from a long time ago, there are communities in Tucson and around the country that are very cohesive. The Hispanic community tends often to be very cohesive. And uh, a lot of people we can learn lessons from in terms of how to build community, but we all need to think through these issues and learn from each other. Have you encountered situations of mixed neighborhoods, of mixed affluence, where the gentrification is coming through and encroaching upon neighborhoods that were already in existence. How do workshops in those communities work? 
Right. Uh, Barbara's saying Menlo Park, Menlo Park. Well, uh, in Menlo Park, we try very hard to make sure that everybody in the neighborhood feels welcome, certainly to our neighborhood meetings. And we have a very good representation from all residents in Menlo Park, all socioeconomic groups, cultures, ethnicity. I would have to say that a workshop like this works very well to break down some of those perceived barriers between people from different socioeconomic groups, different ethnicity, and to clear away those assumptions that we make about each other. Because now you're in a position where you're all sort of equal. When the power goes out, we are all equal at that point. And so you have to kind of say, well, how can we work together to get through this? And all of a sudden, you start to see the commonalities that people have between each other. That, to me, is very exciting. It's one of the very exciting parts of the whole thing. Barbara likes to talk about the technical aspects. She's a physician. <laughs> and, you know, how to put all the pieces together. For me, it's more of a social experience where people can get to know each other. And one thing that I'll say is that you may feel that you're alone uh, thinking about climate change. Well, I think there's climate change, but not very many people think there's climate change or there's a question about climate change. But when you talk to people and you talk about, I talk to them about the workshops that we're delivering, boy, do their ears perk up because then they start to say, well, yeah, you know, we're vulnerable in the Southwest. Tucson is very vulnerable. We're breaking records with heat in Phoenix and Tucson and all over the Southwest. So everybody's aware of this. And they look at this as a tool and a way for people to be able to, as climate gets more and more challenging, as a way to figure out a way to survive. Again, and some of the barriers or challenges that would exist in neighborhoods that are mixed neighborhoods, as you talked about earlier. For example, there's a housing community in Menlo Park that is uh, homebound elderly and disabled people who live isolated. They don't go out. And they're operating on a separate set of rules than the rest of us have to deal with. And the challenge is how do you reach those people? How do you get to know those people? And what are their needs? And maybe they can help us understand how to meet some needs that we don't think about that they have already covered. We have the barrios in that neighborhood. They're very old neighborhoods, uh, Spanish-speaking people, their language differences. There are other apartment complexes. Um, there may be people renting. People in rentals are harder to reach because they come and go a lot students, and so on and so forth. So there's many different kinds of populations. We need to think about how do we reach each other? How do we reach each other and work together and uh, be there in case of adversity? And in the meantime, build our community even more so. I mean, Tucson's a wonderful place. It has a lot of community. And but in, in very elusive ways, we all interact with each other. And uh, in the process, we may have forgotten how to build neighborhoods together. For people who are interested in learning more about uh, Physicians for Social Responsibility, in particular the Building Resilient Neighborhoods Working Group or some of your other working groups, how do people get started? Well, the first thing is if you'd like to just see what we're doing, what we're all about, you can go to our national website, where it's, it's our website on a national page, which is psr.org forward slash AZ climate. That's psr.org forward slash AZ climate. 
That page has materials from the conference that I talked about earlier. It has uh, materials from the various working groups that I mentioned before, what some of us have done. There's some wonderful paintings of uh, climate change perceptions by school children that were done under a scholarship that are posted on the, actually on the Arizona State webpage on that same site, psr.org. Also, we have all the materials that we use in our workshop, both in English and in Spanish. There are workshop guides, which are a little out of date because we've reworked the workshop so many times, and our slide presentation works a lot better to go through the flow of the workshop, which isn't posted there. But uh, we also have a citizen's guide that provides all kinds of interesting resources about understanding climate mitigation and adaptation, understanding heat-related illness, looking at rating yourself on your neighborhood cohesion, and has a lot of resources in it for places you can contact in case of emergency or other needs in the meantime. So it's a good resource guide, citizen's guide. Then if you decide that you want to talk to your neighborhood and you've gathered 15 or 20 people who would like to uh, hold a workshop, then you can contact us. Basically, at this point, my email, bwarre01 at gmail.com. Let us know. We will arrange with you, and I'll maybe perhaps talk to you on the phone. We'll talk about when you'd like to do it. And we'd have to arrange a time that's mutually acceptable with the facilitators who would come and help you with the workshop. We'd get the materials to you when we know how many people you have and uh, move ahead with it. We'd like feedback on how you do. We are trying to keep track of how much of the city we're reaching, so that's why we're trying to uh, do this in a fairly organized way, although we don't we need more resources to be able to make our registration for these workshops more effective, and we're working on that, too. And your email address one more time, Barbara? B, as in boy, W-A-R-R-E-01 at gmail.com. Thank you, Barbara Warren and Jean Einfrank for coming to 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Again, people can learn more about Building Resilient Neighborhoods, which is a working group of physicians for social responsibility at psr.org slash azclimate.